Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm Lance Armstrong, your host. Uh, like I say every week, and, and I, talk, I touched on this, I think, a week or two ago about the inbox or the email address to send in questions and comments and concerns, suggestions, complaint, whatever. Uh, it's called, the, the email address is theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com, and we do is W-E-D-U, sport is singular, the forward podcast at we do sport.com. We're getting a bunch of bunch of emails, so keep sending them. Love it. And uh, but I said the other week that isn't that kind of long? I mean, the for why, why wouldn't I just say, you know, uh, Lance at we do sport.com or or podcast at we do sport.com or you know, TFP? Anyway, so I, I and somebody came up to me the other day, is like, why, why is why is the why is it necessary to have such a long email address? And so I, I'm going to change it, but I'm not ready to change it yet, or I'm, I'm too lazy to change it. So, uh, but for now, the forward podcast at wedosport.com. Hit me up. Let me know what's on your mind. Uh, hey, this week, a crazy week. Um, I've touched on it before too. Is is um, Luke's football team? My son Luke Armstrong, who's who's a junior at Westlake High School and, and uh, starting left guard. On the varsity team, they made it into the playoffs and got through a few rounds. And last uh, a few days ago, they had a um, uh, the fourth round match was against their biggest rival, uh, Lake Travis, which is a suburb of Austin, uh, about twenty or thirty minutes outside of Austin. Uh, historic rivalry for these two schools. They've played eleven times. <laughs> Lake Travis has won nine in a row. Unfortunately, last Friday, in cold, rainy conditions, uh, the, the, the trend continued, uh, and, and Lake Travis beat Westlake and knocked them out of the playoffs. Uh, that's a bummer, um, but uh, for me, and I want to just brag on my son a little bit, for me to see Luke uh, truly focused on a sport he loves and work so hard uh, throughout the year, not just uh, on the field, but in the weight room and and in all facets of of the game and in his life, um, I, I doubt that he listens to my podcast. But if he if he does, uh, Luke, I'm so unbelievably proud of you. I'm bummed you guys lost, um, and uh, you know I can't wait till your senior year and and uh, and go chaps. Uh, you know what else I did this week? I. Um, I, I don't watch a lot of movies, and I definitely don't watch movies twice uh, until this week. I um, a couple of weeks ago, I downloaded a movie called Hell or High Water, which which stars Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine and Ben Foster. Who, uh, to the fans of this podcast, you will know that he came on the podcast some months ago. I've gotten to be um, glad to say um, uh, pretty good friends with him, um, and I was looking forward to this movie. Uh, and we talked about it in his podcast. Um, but the, the, the movie was, uh, for, the, for those of you at home and are trying to download something to watch that night or on your next flight, I got to just go right now and download Hell or High Water, his performance. Well, first of all, the, the movie's amazing. All of the performances are amazing. But Foster is, is out of his mind good. And I had watched it, and we were flying back from uh, Thanksgiving holiday, and Anna wanted to watch it. So I had it on my computer. I watched it again with her, and it, it was it was better the second time. I mean, it was just, and again, um, and a lot of buzz, even Oscar buzz about his performance. So uh, uh, again, I can't recommend it enough. Check it out, uh, Ben Foster in, in uh, Hell or High Water. 
Uh, my guest this week is, is Becky Hammond. Most of you probably have no idea who that is. But in life, there are, a lot of th- there, there are many, many things that somebody uh, that, that have never been done before, and there's that person, there's the first person to walk on the moon. There's the first person to swim in the English Channel. There's the first person to, um, to you know, uh, I don't know, sail around the world. There's the, there's, there's, there are these people that are truly groundbreakers um, because they're the first. No, no human being has ever done what they've done before. Becky Hammond's one of those people. Um, she's the first female coach in the history of the NBA. And she was hired a few years ago by R.C. Buford, the general manager of the San Antonio Spurs, and Greg Popovich, the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. And the GM, R.C. Buford, has been a longtime friend of mine, uh, been a very loyal guy to me, which I greatly appreciate, and is widely regarded as, uh, as the smartest executive in all of sports, not just the NBA, but the way he runs that organization, his search for talent, the efficiency at which he goes about it, the success they've had. Um, I, th- I think it's safe to say that the San Antonio Spurs have done it um, better than 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 really anybody in the NBA over the last twenty years. But but also, you could even compare that with the, with all other pro sports. And so they make this decision in 20, 2014 to hire a lady. They hire uh, you know uh, uh, you know you see you see watch if you guys watch basketball you got the head coach who stands up and runs around all the time and then you got all the assistants that sit there. Those are all dudes. Never before have. Uh, has a woman sat there. And so uh, three years ago, they hire Becky Hammond. And Becky was a, a great player. She she played uh, for, you know, gosh, I guess 20, almost 20 years in the WNBA. She played internationally. She she competed in the Olympics, which we'll talk about. Um, she was voted uh, as one of the top 20 players of all time to ever play in the WNBA. But she had never been a coach. She hadn't coached a little league team. She hadn't coached high school team. She hadn't coached at the college level. And R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich say, we'd like you to come coach. And so for that, she's, she's one of these people that, is, that has done something um, that's, that's never been done before. And so uh, it, it, was, it was interesting to go. I drove down to, the, to their practice facility and, uh, and met with her. And everybody was there, obviously. Not the players, but Popovich was out on the out on the court, like running around doing drills and, and RC was in his office taking a meeting. But, um, Becky's this five, five foot six little ball of intensity. And I was, and you'll hear us talk. I, at first I was like, Jesus, this lady is intense. Uh, and so I wasn't so sure how it would go, but I got to tell you, it was, it was, it was a fun hour. She was uh, a bunch of great stories, a bunch of great insight. I'm not a huge basketball fan, so I learned a lot. Um, and just cool to, to sit with a, for an hour with somebody that's, you know, the equivalent of, I guess, walking on the moon. So I hope you all enjoy. And uh, uh, Coach Hammond, thank you so much for coming on. Becky, thank you so much. Or do, should I call you Coach? Becky's good. Because when I was texting you earlier, I, I said, "Coach." Yeah, I, I, coach works. I mean, it's whatever you're comfortable. Hey, with. coach. <laughs> um, what is it like, you know, like to be the first person on planet Earth to do something, right? <laughs> like you can, you could have been the first person to walk on the moon. You could have been the first person to, 
you know, to swim the English Channel. And you're 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 literally the first person to coach a bunch of a bunch of dudes in the NBA. <laughs> well, it's tumbling, obviously, right. in a way. Um, I think it could be overwhelming if you let it. If you thought about it too much, I think mm-hmm. you know you just go in and you try to do your job and you do it to the best of your ability. But um, I mean, it's funny because if, if you read my story, you'll, you'll see I got left off some teams. You know, I didn't get really recruited out of high school. And so it was kind of weird to be like, man, is this really happening to me? Mm-hmm. Like it was um, obviously a huge uh, breaking point, I, I think, in my life. Just the direction coming from player now to coach and yeah. then the enormous platform that it was and is still obviously um, was it was it was a lot to take in at first. Yeah. I felt like just a whirlwind uh, that first year. And and we'll get into the story because I did I did read your story, <laughs> so I know that I know that that's one thing I do do with these podcasts is I try to read everybody's stories, which is a, which is a fun thing for me because I never I never really did that. Um, so I know mo- not most, but I know a lot of the story. Mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. and especially the parts of being left off teams. But how do you get? I mean, a, so you get to this place where you've done something that nobody on planet Earth has ever done. And that call just comes from R.C. Buford or that comes from Popovich or? The the call came from Pop. Um, and what had happened, I was, uh, I actually, most of the time I would have been overseas. I had actually blown my knee out the year before. And so I had to be in San Antonio to rehab um, Play, you were as playing a player. Over. As a player, yeah. So I ended up being in San Antonio um, that 2013 to 14. And I just went to all their games, all their practices. Like he invited me to come into their um, coaches meetings. And um, so I got to, to be, get a really good look at, at what they do and how they run things over here. Um, where before, like I said, I would always be overseas. I'd be in Russia. I'd be in Spain um, playing in the off season, but that injury allowed me to stay back here and learn. And I think that's where they got to know me, especially pop um, who I know he had been watching me from a distance. Um, but really kind of see me on a daily basis uh, come in and how I mixed in with the guys hmm. and the relationships that I had with those guys. And just if, if it would have been even fit. I mean, if, if you have the wrong – to me, the whole the whole female thing, it's about being the right person. Right. You know, it's not uh, do you fit in with the team. It's, it's, it's a lot of other things other than, okay, yeah, granted I'm a girl and, you know, nobody else has a ponytail out there like mine or a bun or whatever – um, but it, it's just a lot bigger picture than that because yeah. I think you can do a lot of damage too if you get the wrong one. Right. You know, if you hire her just because she's a girl, oh, that's you know that's cool. But you got to be qualified yeah. is, is the bigger issue. And no coaching experience. Nope. That's that's just amazing that you go from. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think most people would assume. Well, first of all, people would think, oh my god, that's that's groundbreaking. That's historic. Mm-hmm. But the fact I think most people assume you you coach you were head coaching somewhere else or in, in the WNBA or mm-hmm. at college level or in Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know you look at guys. That says guys, a lot. I mean, guys do it all the time, though. I mean, Jason Kidd goes right from player to coach. You know, um, is he still coaching? He is hmm. in, in Milwaukee. I think he had a little hip surgery last year. Got knocked him out of the game. A I'm going to totally but. admit I, I don't. <laughs> I only follow the Spurs, and okay. only really because I've gotten to know RC. And so for our listeners at home, R.C. Buford is the GM of the Spurs and a friend of mine. And so I'll come to the games, And but that's – like I don't sit at home and watch, uh, you know, uh, Milwaukee versus Orlando. <laughs> like I would never go, oh, that's – so I'm just going to admit that. Yeah. So I'll probably ask really stupid questions. No, no, no. It's, it's, like it's, I, my level of – my knowledge of basketball is horse with my kids. 
Well, it's a starting point. <laughs> and I lose. <laughs> I lose. I lose to a seven-year-old kid. Yeah. That's how bad I suck. I started playing horse, pig, around the world. All those little games you yeah. play when you're when you're young. Yeah, um, that's how I actually got started. But going back to your original question of player coach, um, I played a one-two, so shooting guard slash point guard. Really, a point guard is really an extension of the coach. Like I feel like, yeah, I don't have any official training as being a coach, but I've been coaching my whole career. If that makes any sense, because you're. Organizing on the floor. everybody, yes, yeah. all on the floor. I got to know what the coach is thinking. I got to get people in the right spots. Um, just a lot of responsibility as a player um, to, to put people in the right spots. And so to me, it's like, you know, you asked me, did I have any coaching experience? It's like, no, but in the right. same breath, I could sit there and tell you I've been coaching my whole life because that's kind of the role I always had um, hmm. on the teams I played with. And Popovich is, is, is he as unique as, as, as it seems? I mean, because it, it, just as a, and I've never met the man. I'm a fan, I will admit. Um, but he's just seems so. I mean, obviously, hiring you was was a bold move. I think uh -huh. some would say, but but just in, in in whether it's a political statement or hiring a female coach or uh, just his approach to the game and his interviews. Like I love these interviews. It's like it's a stupid <laughs> question. It's like he's he and Belichick are like my favorites. Like that's that's a dumb question. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. yeah, I think some people are very scared to ask him <laughs> anything yeah. um no he's he's very unique and i was just thinking the other day i'm like how did this guy end up in basketball like he's got this brilliant mind mm -hmm. you know and it's like okay well that's what happens when when brilliant minds decide to do sports <laughs> you get some sensational coach who understands um he's so well versed with people right you know he can tell you about history from 200 years ago 50 years ago, five years ago, like he's just very well-versed, um, very well-traveled. Uh, so he gets how people work. He understands what works with people, um, his communication with the guys, his um, approach, you know, just something is touching the guys, yeah. you know, touch and how that helps establish bond and relationship and trust um, with players and stuff. So he just takes a really unique um, approach and he's honest. And well, I, that's clearly his. And, he comes off as very honest. <laughs> He's honest. And I think at the end of the day, in a world that throws a lot of BS at you, yeah. like honesty is like a, a, a breath of fresh air. Now, he will he will kill you in some instances, right. you know, verbally, but he's also going to let you know when you do a good job. And I think that's where, that's the thing. It's like, you know, he's not just spouting off things. If he says it, he means it both, whether it's positive or negative, he means right. what he right. says. It's interesting you bring up the touch thing because I, uh, and I, I haven't noticed that with, Coach Popovich, but University of Texas just hired a new football coach, this guy Tom Herman, who coached at the University of Houston, and he was the most you know sought-after coach in college football, and they were looking for a coach. They hired this guy. Before every game, this is the point of the story, before every game, as the players get off the bus and walk into the locker room, he stands at the locker room door, and how many on a college football team? There must be 100 kids or 80 <laughs> kids or a lot. Yeah. He kisses every one of them on the cheek. Oh, Wow. And there was this huge article in the New York Times about it, and, and his his uh, rationale behind it that it's that touch. It's just that that it's like, hey, we're in this together. I love you, and you know, mm -hmm. speak of the devil. There's there's Pop out there doing some some drills. That's that was. Was he doing some drills? Out he there? was just so. And again, you guys <laughs> he's are coming here at six o'clock. Sometimes he's doing defensive like so, slides somewhere. <laughs> and I wish, I wish we were videoing these. So we're sit, we're at the Spurs practice facility here in San Antonio, and we're in a conference room looking out on um, the court, two courts, and uh, and across the way I see Coach Popovich. I was like, "What's that old man over there?" And then I realized, he got, as he got closer, I was like, "Oh shit, that's him." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he gets his workouts in for sure. He, wow. If, as, as you probably already know, he likes to, to have some wine occasionally, so he likes to get his workouts in, you know, to, to balance it out a little bit. <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know you that. You didn't know he likes to drink I wine? I did not know that, but you know what? If I was a fan before, it just you just went up like oh by my 10, gosh, 10x. He is, you want to, I like wine. You don't want, don't interview him about basketball. Interview him about wine, and you, you can have a conversation for two hours with him. When we, when we finish today, <laughs> I'll show you a picture of where we usually do, if we do the if we do this podcast in Austin, we do it in my wine cellar, in my house. So oh, I, okay. I'm, I'm a huge uh, uh, um, consumer yeah. of wine. So is he. And, what, and the other interesting thing, and maybe this is an R.C. Buford thing, or maybe the combo of all of you guys, but how international this team is. I think the league, it seems to me, just from my rookie knowledge, that the league is getting more and more international, but the Spurs especially, mm-hmm. super international. So for you guys, right, it's one thing to talk to a kid from Chicago or a kid from Dallas or a kid from L.A., right. but you got now you have how many, how many nationalities I are I mean, on? let me just off the top of my head, we have Pau, who's Spain, TP, who's France, mm-hmm. Manu's Argentinian, Nico, Argentinian. We have an Australian Patty Mills, who am I missing? I'm sure there's more, but we used to have DL, Canada. Boris Diel. Yeah, he we yeah, he's actually in Utah now, but yes, another French, French. French. And another the Russian, French who was the Russian dude last year, or, um, who didn't play much, but every time he went in, the arena would erupt, and if he if if he touched the ball, you'd have thought Elvis Presley walked in. Oh, Boban Marjanovic. Yes, this huge yes. dude, super ripped. Boban is awesome. I love that guy. We miss him. We miss him. I was sitting with RC at a game. I said, who the hell is this? I said, I love this guy. (laughs) As big as he is, and I mean, talk about such a gentle soul. Mm. I mean, uh, first of all, his hands, I wish he could have shaken his hands. I'm sure you could like look on the internet, but his hands just, they just swallow your hands. I mean, oh my goodness. The guy's just got huge hands, but um, he was a gym rat. um, Just a good, good presence in the gym. We miss him. Well, he was. You would notice it on on if because he most of the time he didn't play, but he would sit on the bench, and he was so enthusiastic. Like he was, he was like player slash coach slash cheerleader slash <laughs> DJ slash. Yes. And I'm like, what the? Who, who is this? I said to RC, I said, who is this? This huge. Yeah. What's funny is I think a, a couple times, uh, you know, he would. We're driving out of the tunnel after games or whatever. He would actually stop and get out of his car and like start talking to fans. It's like, Boban, get in your car and go home. <laughs> he was just so, uh, I mean, so friendly. And uh, he just ate it up. I mean, he's living the dream. He got a nice big che- paycheck to go to Detroit. He's a mm-hmm. super skilled guy. I mean, he's not just some big basketball player. Right. I mean, he's skilled. And yeah. um, <laughs> just, a, uh, yeah, he, he, was, he was fun to have around for sure. Yeah. And what about Tim Duncan? How much do you guys miss? I mean, obviously, you probably get that question every mm-hmm. five minutes, but it's such a iconic figure in this team's history and and a good – I mean, his. I love his whole story, you know, yeah. just growing up in the Virgin Islands and coming to the U.S. or coming to play basketball here. But it's got to be tough to get – I mean, you obviously, you don't replace him. Mm. I mean, you, you – we miss his leadership, his presence. You know, his – competitiveness on a daily basis i mean against the bad teams the way he'd want to come in and win night it's after funny because he doesn't seem like a no he doesn't seem like right. he'd cut your throat to right. win but he would right. <laughs> you know he just does it in a nice way um but his competitiveness i mean he is ultra competitive the way he t- takes care of his body i mean he was i was you know this is my third year 
Um, I can tell you our open gym, which is basically when you have your young guns come in and try to get some time on the court, getting up right and here down. On this court. Yeah, on this court, he would be in first day of, day of uh, open gym. <laughs> and he still comes by here. I heard somebody told me all the still- time. Yeah, he's in. He's peeking his head in or getting a workout in or um, coming in and um, getting in some of our, our other guys' ears. Some of the younger guys, you know, playing with them. Plays with them sometimes. Yeah, he well, just loves I mean, to play. Must, man. Somebody must say, "Well, why don't you just, you know." Play tomorrow night against the Suns. I bet he would <laughs> if he could legally do it. Um, he, he could still play. Um, but uh, obviously, like I said, you he's one of a kind. And I think I said this when he, when he announced his retirement, the way he went about winning. Hmm. Like he would – you're never going to hear him where he, you know, pulled apart a teammate or – stepped on somebody or you know what i mean like he mm. did it with such class where yeah. there's some other winners great winners like jordan yeah i mean but and you're jordan never gonna tough. hear but yeah i mean people will be like michael jordan who happens to be my absolute favorite of all time like but if you talk to people like he could be a real a-hole right i don't know if you can curse on podcasts but <laughs> um we try to stay away from it yeah we, we tried we try to not <laughs> i try to not cuss but uh that's a joke i, I get a lot of grief <laughs> especially from my parents for cussing. Oh, okay. And so this one, so far we've made it without an F-bomb. And you so I almost, said a-hole. No, that, that, we avoid the little red <laughs> uh, E, <laughs> the, the uh, explicit thing. By the, okay, there we go. But you can say whatever you want. But yeah, he, he could be tough. I, I know where you're going. You know, so, but I'm just saying, he's somebody who always, instead of stepping on top of other people to get to the top, he always brought everybody up with him. Yeah. And it was always about everybody else. Um and getting the best out of everybody. And I, when you have the leader, you talk about the, the, the structure. So like, I would say like the three pillars, which are RC pop and Timmy. Hmm. And when you have that kind of um, selflessness at the top, how, how can a guy on the 15th roster spot be selfish? Yeah. Like right. <laughs> it's like, right. or not practice hard when you have Tim Duncan diving on the floor for loose balls at, you know, age 39, yeah. like there's just no room for it. And it just sets such a standard right, right from go. Yeah. Okay. I have another What's going to sound like a really stupid question, but I'm I'm not very smart when it comes to basketball, amongst a lot of other things. But if you have, if, if you're just as a fan and you look out and you've got you know, the head coach, you got Popovich, and then you just have a whole row of coaches, mm-hmm. right? It looks like, I mean, is this if it were to compare it to football, you, one would be the defensive coordinator, one would be the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. one would be the mm-hmm. so, you know quarterback, whatever. I mean, does everybody have a role? Which also also would mean you have a role, or uh-huh. is it? Is it a committee or how does that go down? Well, I can just speak to, to our coaching staff. Um, a lot of people do do it that way. I know there's some some programs, you know, where they have an offensive guy and mm-hmm. some and they're in charge, and then another one's in charge of defense. Um, we have a developmental piece, which is great. I think that's really what um, sets the Spurs apart is our development by uh, Chip England and now Will Hardy. Um, before that, it was Chad Forcier. Development. Development. That's outside of a game. Yeah, that's outside of the game. But that's their primary job is to get those guys individually better. Well, as you know, you get individually better. Collectively, you get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the development would say Kawhi Leonard, um, right. Kyle, and you know, you could go down the list. Um, Tony Parker. Like, the, we have really good development guys. The other assistant coaches, um, we do scouting reports. We kind of will be uh, – we'll each have individual teams. So – Scouting like, other scouting teams. Scouting other teams. So, in the NBA. So not, you'll have not, a block of teams, yeah. Not so, finding the guy from Belarus or something. Right. No, that would be scouts. So right. there's a whole network of stuff right. that goes on. Which RC loves. Yeah. 
and he's kind of in charge of all that stuff, right. you know, uh, delegating and getting this guy in charge of this or whatever. You have college scouts, you have overseas scouts, and then you have regional scouts, you know, and then you have scouts in L.A. who's, you know, getting the, the play calls from the Clippers. So those, those kind of scouts, professional scouts. Um, so we all have our jobs to do. Um, and say if you have a, a block of teams, maybe you have Phoenix, um, Portland, whatever, then it's your job to watch those teams, watch that team, write up a scouting report, present it basically to Pop, and then to the team, mm. and that's basically how we go about it. Got it. And what are the hurdles? Like I was just thinking, like what 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 am I what am I curious about? Like what, there must be hurdles for you being a woman in a in a in a man's league, men's mm-hmm. league. I mean, and I mean hurdles like the locker room. Mm-hmm. Is that do you, is that a hurdle to you, or do you? Um, not really. Do you and, go in the locker room? Yeah, I basically. So guys are just—it's a locker room. So they're it's a locker room, and you walk in just like what's up? No, I don't walk in at certain times. Okay, so you know, all right. That, well, that's what yeah, I'm, yeah. And but I mean, I was for example, I was. But you wouldn't care. To, I don't care either right. way. I mean, and I don't. I don't, I don't want it. It's it's there. The locker room is their private sanctuary. There shouldn't be a lot of coaches. Even there's no coaches really walking around. Pop is not in the locker room walking mm. around before mm. a pregame. Now, when we come in for our meeting. All the coaches are in there. But so far as walking around an hour and a half before the game, no, I'm not in their locker room. Um, I kind of know their routines, um, and I avoid things. If I think, shower interchange. Yeah, or, or if I think I'm going to walk into a situation, I'll have somebody take a peek, like, can you look around the corner and make okay, sure I'm so good to go? That's a small hurdle. Yeah, that's yeah. like, yo, can but, you? But, I mean, it's it's something that I deal with, but it's it's really not that big of a deal. And I'll, I'll just give you this comparison because that seems to be a, one of the first questions people ask is, well, what about the locker room? And I always say, well, what about the Wait locker room? Wait a minute. Room? That, that, you got to tell me that you've never had this I've, question. It's a very original question. I've never had it before, <laughs> and I'll be happy to answer it for you. Okay, thank you. But the thing is, is I was coached by men, and nobody posed the question about the locker room. And it's like, so I always try to flip the conversation on some of these questions like, Okay, so a woman, a woman coaching men, the locker room. Okay, does she go in there? Does she not go in there? And I'll tell you, most nobody's really going in the locker room. Right. First of all, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. And then the second thing is, I was coached by men primarily my whole career, and I never had a locker room instance. Like they never walked in. And like I said, basically because we know those times. Mm. You know, with 38 minutes on the clock, maybe we're, we're coming in with me. I know I'm not going to run into anybody in the locker room half naked yeah. or you know whatever. So. Um, and no other, I mean, there must be other hurdles. I mean, uh, whether it's other teams, you know, or, sometimes on the road, like security guards, they won't let me pass. It's like, you just let all these coaches pass. Well, I need to see an ID. I'm a coach. Did you check any of the IDs on those men coaches? Right. No, you didn't. But since I, you know, so there's little things, but par for the course. Yeah. Well, you seem like a good sport about it. So eh, it's whatever. <laughs> and what do you, I mean, you can't, uh, and I read in one of the articles that RC had admitted or admitted in the article that there have been calls to you or, or inquiring about you to coach at, at, on a head coaching level. Mm-hmm. According to the article, it wasn't in the NBA, but it was at, you know college positions and mm-hmm. maybe the WNBA or, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for a men's program. Yeah. I, it's obviously good to have opportunities coming yeah. in and, and interest and stuff. Um, but, what I've basic, I'm really happy here. You should, yeah, and I, uh, I believe you. I gotta, I gotta take those calls. I gotta do my due diligence, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Um, but I'm in such a great learning space right now, and and yep. feel like I still have um, a lot more to learn. 
um, that I'm just content being right here and happy. Right but you could now. see yourself. I mean, at some point, eventually, yeah, yeah. eventually you got to jump out of the nest. <laughs> and you've said that eventually you think that a, that a female will coach a, a, a team in the NBA. I think so. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You're intense enough. I walked in, I was like, geez, this, this girl's intense. <laughs> You're less intense now that we're talking. I love this. But at first I was like, holy. A little nervous. I know. Right? I was nervous. I was like, all right, well, uh, how far is the drive back to Austin? Maybe we just head back. <laughs> no. Well, I was like, maybe, maybe. I'm not intimidating. You're intimidating. Maybe I'll, and I, maybe a, a friendly game of horse will break the ice. I suck at basketball. Let me tell you something. I got no side to side. I got no speed. I got no hand-eye coordination. You you would I'm telling you, I lose to seven year olds. <laughs> Your guy's shaking his head like it's that bad. No, no, it's bad. No, no, no. I can I, I can swim and I can ride a bike and I can run and, and those are just going forward. The second I have to deviate like a foot either side, it's over. You got me. But swimming and biking have to be the most grueling sports ever. Like they're just hard. Exhausting. They're not that hard. They are they're like when I hard. have to do bikes, which as a basketball player, you have to do a lot of bike. Yeah. You have to do a lot of bike because you get injured or whatever and you don't want the pounding on your knees. Hated bike sprints. Like give me anything but bike sprints. <laughs> I hated bike sprints. All right, let's not talk about bikes because this is this. And I <laughs> or make, swimming. I hated the swimming too. We can talk. About, I love swimming. Swimming sorry. is hard though, but if you're doing it like at a good pace, it's, it's exhausting. That's because you didn't grow it's like up every swimming. muscle. I did. Grow, I love the water. No, but you didn't grow up like on the swim team. I don't think because that's you didn't read that. I was well. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. No, I, I was not on the. Swim I want to talk because you you alluded to this earlier about about not being invited to tryouts for certain teams. And and it's a big. I think it's a big part. I, not, not, I don't think. I know it's a big part of your story. So I want to. I want to get into that. And because it, it's just, it doesn't. When you read your bio, and I read about your life, it none. It's some of this. Something's missing here. The fact that that the WNBA names you one of the top twenty players in the history of the sport. Um, granted, you went. You know, you weren't recruited out of high school, but then you go to Colorado State and Fort Collins, and then. But you had this great career. How does that person, that athlete, not get a tryout? Well, I mean. Is that, you answer the question, but it seems like something's there. There's a there there, political or, or something. I feel like I've always kind of been on the outskirts of the political thing, for the most part. Like if you took me from, even growing up in, in South Dakota, I went to a private school. Then I had to switch over to a public school. Like I had to make new friends. Um, I remember one of my first uh I think I must have been in third or fourth grade, maybe even second grade. I went in and my dad wanted me to play on the boys team because the girls are not going to be good enough in third grade. So they were like, no, 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 she can't come. And he's like, just let her come to one practice and then you guys can decide if you want to keep her. So anyways, go to third practice. grade. Yeah, like third okay. grade. So third grade comes and pretty soon like, yeah, she can stay. So like I play on the boys team um, in, I don't know, it's like YMCA basketball or whatever. But then I'm not really recruited. I go, I'm the best player in my my school, my city, my state, whatever. But in, in the back of my mind, I knew that was really nothing. Like, okay, but that doesn't mean I'm good enough from the girl. What about the girls from Chicago or mm -hmm. California? Like, um, I didn't know how I compared to uh, other girls across the country. And um, anyways, I went to a, a and camp. And there's not like a McDonald's camp for Well, girls. there was, and I went. Okay. And uh, that was the first time p pretty much anybody had ever heard of me. I wasn't on AAU teams. Like, now they have so many AAU teams. You get seen. You have 
YouTube, you can just YouTube someone and you can see if they can, you know, see some highlights or whatever. But nobody had ever heard of me. I was in South Dakota. I literally grew up in the sticks, like in the woods, slab, concrete slab with a bucket and just freezing your ass off. Freezing. And <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would shovel I would shovel the snow off and put floodlights out at night and I would shoot and I would play against my brother or my dad or whoever I could find that was in the woods with me right. at the time <laughs> at her house. Also freezing their ass off. <laughs> yeah, also freezing. Um, so don't get very uh, recruited. Go to that that tournament or camp, I should say. It was like in Terre Haute, Indiana, mm-hmm. and that's the first time kind of mid-major school Home of Larry Bird, right? Yep. See, I'm not so – see, I got a little <laughs> basketball knowledge. So uh, that's the first time people started kind of – saw me, I'll, I'll say. Um, went to Colorado State, was an All-American, didn't get drafted, um, went and made it as a free agent, which I didn't know I wasn't supposed to make it, but it was kind of like my ignorance was helped me because I I went and just In the played. WNBA, not yeah. overseas. Yeah. So I was a free agent, which free agents aren't really supposed to make teams. Right. Um, you're just supposed to come in there and make sure the – you know, first string and second string don't. And when kill is this? Each other. So this is in. This is 99. 1999. Mm-hmm. So I go there, end up making the team, play there eight years, get traded down to San Antonio, and then I played here eight right. years. Um, but there was different times. Whether is that, that's it was, when you met Coach, or that's when you met Pop. Yeah. When yeah. you were playing for the. What's the, the actually, winning team here? Is the, the stars. San, San Antonio Stars. Yeah. I had actually really never met Pop. I mean, obviously, I knew who he was. But he had been – I know he would send messages through our Stars coach, like um, that he would be watching us play or watching me and say something or whatever. So I know he was watching from afar. I never really had a conversation with him until I was at the Olympics in London playing for Russia. I ended up being on a oh, plate. No, we're going to get there. I got to get a seat next to him, and that's <laughs> the first time we've we're really interacted. Because <laughs> he, well, just before we get to Russia, he has some. What is his Russian? He studied Soviet studies. So he and he speaks a bit of Russian, yeah. and which just goes furthermore to the fact that he's just a freak. I mean, that like who studies that? He 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 wanted to be a spy. Like, how smart do you have to be to be a spy? Like, you look at things like you can memorize play like just random things or see things out of order. I mean, he's just a guy that constantly challenges the way you think like it's like well what about this it's like hmm well i never really thought about that but yeah <laughs> you know so wow um, so you so you so you play in san antonio and then you there was trying what were the two olympic teams so 08 and 2012 you wanted yeah. to go oh wait was the time that the first time you wanted to yeah try out for the u.s olympic yeah team. yeah yeah so 2007 i had my best year in the WNBA by far um, coming off that trade. So 2007, like I was runner-up MVP of the league, <laughs> and I lost to an Australian. So I came off that so year. you're the best American. You could say that um, that well, no, year. I did, uh, you, you just Australian did. won, you're second, and you're the second. best You're the, the best American. Okay, so anyways, that's 2007. Well, number, yeah. But <laughs> and, I want to hang on a second. I just the, the okay. back up because this is – I want to get this right. How many women make the Olympic basketball team? How many – I know five are on the court. How many – Women make the team. I think 12. 12. Okay, so we got 12 slots. Is it 15? I don't care. It wouldn't matter. It didn't it matter. matter. All I know <laughs> is that you were the highest you know, rated American in the WNBA, so I got that data point. Okay. So then the USA Basketball puts out a list of players that they want to have come try out, mm-hmm. and I'm not on the list. Everybody tries out, or some are appointed. They're guaranteed a spot. No, there's – I mean, it's – it's a trial, but we know there's probably seven or eight spots that are guaranteed. I mean, they have a program. It's not like they're going to have a total, completely new team from 
2008 to 2012. I mean, mm-hmm. you have people that have been on the USA basketball teams for, you know, two, three, four years, whatever. Like Lisa Leslie or something. Right. So, you know, those people are going to be on guaranteed. Mm. Um, So, yeah, they have probably eight or nine of those. Okay. Probably even more. Um, And then maybe there's one or two up for grabs. Like you have one chance to make, to grab one of those slots. Um, But I wasn't on the list, the initial list. I mean, I I remember that I saw college players on there. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like you have college players on here and I can't even get on the list to try out. Anyways. They came back, and um, my agent had been calling them, whatever. And, uh, you know, they eventually, I think a bunch of people pulled out of that list. Mm -hmm. So then they're like, well, she can come. And at that point, I already had a contract to go over to Russia. So I was like, you forget it. Like, I'm not on a club team. Yeah, on a club team. And then. So no more WNBA. I'm going to go play, which a lot of people. Well, I I did both. We do both because we play in the summertime, but then our overseas season is a regular. NBA or and that's set up so that season. you can go back and we forward, can go back and forth like yeah. just seasonally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I went over there, and even throughout the course of the year, you know, my I know my agent was in contact with them, saying, you know, have you changed your mind? Do you want? It? And they were like, no, no, no. And so, just they wanted me. One team didn't want me, so I just went with but, who wanted me. And and, and and so outside of the WNBA, which you were playing in the summer, the rest, all of those years you played in Russia. For the club team or I played a mix of? Um, five to six years in Russia. In Moscow. Moscow and then this other place called Orenburg. This, <laughs> that, I mean, forgettable. That just, <laughs> I, I've been to Russia a couple times, and no offense to any Russians that are listening, which I probably are none. Um, um, but I don't. I don't think I could live there. It's cold. Yeah, it is cold. And it just. It's just. It was just kind of when I this maybe it's been a while since I've been, but it was it was depressing. It was just. When did just, you go? I went, well, the first time I went, the first time I went to Moscow was in 1989. So, oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is this is right before things changed, or maybe they had just changed. My history is, is dodgy. But uh, so I went then, and then I went again in 90, 95. Mm-hmm. And then I haven't been back since. So it's been a long time. But it was, it was, it was gray. And when I went in 89, it was in the summer. So it was not cold. Uh-huh. And I also, when I went in 95, it was in the summer. It also wasn't cold. Um, Did you find it pretty, though? Like the city, was it green? Yeah, we, no, it wasn't green. No. It was, and it was just kind of, just dirty. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's maybe the parts we were in, but yeah, we you go to the Red Square and stuff like it, that. That's it's, pretty, but. It's definitely like, I remember walking off the plane the first time, like I'm, Going over there in 2007, I'm like, holy, like, what did I get myself into? Over I here? bet. Because it is, it is a little bit gloomy. They're, they're not a talkative, like, it's quiet, like, nobody's talking really to anybody. Yeah. Um, but what I did find is uh, when you made an effort with the people and you, like, they're kind of like New Yorkers in a little bit. Like, they just mind their own business. They're not talking unless spoken to. But then if you actually strike up a conversation with them, um, they're very, you know, uh, wanting to help you, and at you, least a lot of them. And you go issue. over with n- no knowledge of the language. No, in two thousand seven, I had none. So yes, you have a you know the book or a, a no Berlitz or something <laughs> to try to teach you <laughs> some basics. Yeah, no, no. Uh, what's what's the Loretta Stone? Is it Loretta? Yeah, one of the yeah one yeah. of these yeah, one no. of these things. Didn't have it. To... I should have. All right, so th- but this 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 um, decision. Mm-hmm. To to say, I mean, that is a that's a 
crazy decision to say, you know what, if you're not going to pick me to play for America, I'm going to play for Russia. And and maybe I'm we're having this conversation in 2016, mm-hmm. which we all know that that the, the, the we're sort of not the height of it all, but it's 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 pretty tense. It's between, intense, you know. It, 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 intense. I, I want. Do you think you'd make that decision today with with the landscape being what it is? I mean, this is basketball. It's not like I'm over there selling know, secrets. But you know how these. You know how it is. I mean, there's. Um, we've done it. We've taken on people, given them passports, and they've played on our teams. Um, other people have done it now. Um, it's what actually you, done all the time. I think, and if it was, if I was playing for Latvia or Lithuania or no, somewhere, no one would care. No problem. Nobody would care. No, no that's that's um, right. Or, the, the or fact Spain that it's or Russia. I mean, my mom called me when. Or if you or North Korea or Iran. <laughs> I mean, if you did one of the, I mean, people would. Yeah. What did your parents? You, Yo, mom, I'm going to play for the Russians. Yeah, she was like in tears about it. She was so upset. I bet. Um, she's like, you don't understand, you know. People from my generation, it's better red than dead, or better dead than red, or something. I don't know, whatever she spouted off. But um, I, I, to me, it was very simple. And I don't even actually fault USA Basketball. The only thing I wish USA Basketball would have done is come out and just said, you know what, Becky's a great player, but we're going to go in another direction. Perfect. End of discussion. And that's really all it was. It had nothing to do with my patriotism. I mean, it was my childhood dream. There was no WNBA. It was my childhood dream to to play in the Olympics. Got it. I mean, Whitney Houston's one moment in time. I don't know how many times I played basketball like in my own front yard to that because I was just dreaming. You dream. Mm. That's that's your dream. I never grew up dreaming to play for Russia. That never even crossed my mind, which made the decision very agonizing for me. Actually, it was a very very hard decision. And the the thing in my head, I was like, always thought USA is going to come back around. They're going to come back around. They'll they'll come back around. But they never did. So. Once I made that, I was like... Come back around between the two Olympics? But no, no, to... from 2007 to 2008, building up. Okay. They had, you know, eight or nine months stretch in there where they could be like, yeah, you know, come try out right. or you got a legitimate chance or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't happen and it wasn't meant to happen. That sucks. I know what it's like when you think people are going to come around. Yeah. And they don't. And they don't. It sucks. <laughs> Trust me, I know. So there's... And once you once you make that move in 2008... The, then you know 2012, if there's a 2012, if you're, if you're still playing, you know that it's, yep. then that's done too. Yeah, I mean, once not, you play for one country, you can't switch back and oh, play you for can't. another. Yeah, you and you be, actually became a Russian? Yeah, I have a passport, everything. Are you still a Russian? I do, I am. The, we've never had a Russian on this podcast. There you go, your own Russian citizen. We had like a Brit, I'd have to go look at the list. Yeah, we're international. I've never had a Russian on. So, so but you still have an American yeah, you have dual, dual citizenship. citizenship. Yep. And, and see, the the passport thing comes into play because over there they have a rule on how many foreigners you can have. So I got counted as a Russian, so we could have two more Americans, which makes your club team win more. Which everybody gets more money when you win more. Obviously. And you got and you got more dough. And I get me. more money because you got my three club. times as much money because you're a Russian. Yes. Well, well I that's don't know about also that. good. <laughs> but thought, it was well, definitely a, a financial decision involved. Becky, in I read it on the, the internet. I read it on the internet. It's and true. therefore, it must be true. It yeah. has to be true. <laughs> I'm so glad you're relaxing a little bit. I'm not nearly as stressed as I was. And <laughs> and what if? Okay, huh? I, the Russian thing. I, I, I have to, that freaks me out a little bit. It doesn't freak you out clearly. It did at the beginning. I cried. I mean, I cried. Or I was I was very very upset about it. But once I got there, I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. And actually, basketball people kind of understood it. Yeah. Now, did you did you do do they have cycling in the Olympics? Did you do it? I did. So I did. you you know what it's like to carry the stripes and and do that. Like it's a huge honor. I did three, 92, 96, and two thousand. I think people that play, 
for a USA sport find it much harder yeah. because you have so much pride, like walking in on opening ceremonies. It's not like I was so proud. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I never, never did like, the opening ceremonies. But it was like, it, it was a no, great moment. One. But, you know, so I just want to stop you there. So for us, for cycling, the Olympics, at least in, in my generation, the Olympics were were kind of an afterthought. It wasn't... It wasn't the thing. The yeah, so maybe thing. for women's basketball, that is the, the well, peak of it all. It was growing up. Mm. Now, I mean... Well, not now. WNBA, you're in the, you're, you're, you know, you're you a have, coach in the NBA, so I got right. it. Right. No, <laughs> I, mean, I got it now. No, no, no. I, like, I figured that. But um, it, it's funny because really... All these pieces have to kind of fall into place mm. for me to order to sit here with you today yeah. talking about what we're talking. Like, I had to be playing in Russia because I wouldn't have been there. So I would have never been on that plane with Pop. Yeah. Like, where, and honestly, we didn't even talk about basketball. We talked about other stuff. But to develop a relationship with him, then I have to get injured. And then, like, it, all these things have to fall in place perfectly for me to be right here. And I see as hard as a decision it was for me to go and do that, it's like one of the best decisions mm -hmm. I ever made. Not only that, but because of the impact that I had on the Russian girls and the fact that, like, you don't think they looked at me kind of like, but by the end of 2008 and on through, I was one of their teammates. Like, they they would go to bat for me. Yeah. And, um, and your language. I think that was that was cool. And you're, you're Russian now? Gavarichuchut. I speak a little. So-so. <laughs> what is, what is I speak a little. That's what I said. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> right. I got it that you translated. But but the team, right? You said there's Americans, so the team must practically be. I mean, English is is the common language, or is there, or do the girls have to understand some Russian? In the club team, yeah, I didn't hardly learn any Russian because everybody spoke English right. because of all the foreigners, and it wasn't just American foreigners. You could have some European ones. Well, everybody in Europe. If you're Spanish, you still know how to speak English. If you're French, you know how to speak English. Like we're the only ones in America that don't really speak more than. Okay, one just for the language. record, none of the one, none of those Spaniards or French people that I raised with spoke any English. <laughs> so just saying. Well, I ours wish they did. That were, you know, going across right. from country to country, traveling. I mean, English. It's it's really the language of the right. world. I mean, if you're in business or whatever, you need to be able to speak English. Um, so, anyways, they would speak English. A lot of times, I had an English speaking coach over there. Yeah. Um, so they all knew. On the, the club team. Yeah, on the club team. When I was in national team, that's when I learned the most Russian, actually, in that month and a half stretch, because that's all I heard, because no one, obviously, I was the only right. English-speaking person. They could wow. speak English, but they would translate if I didn't understand, which was actually cool, because I could kind of fly above the fray. Like, I didn't have to get involved in these little girlish squabbles. Oh, yeah, play dumb. Yeah, I don't like, know. I, I don't know. I don't like, know. I can be friends with everybody, because I don't know that she don't like that girl or whatever. So it was it was kind of perfect. <laughs> And in, in I read in another article, I don't know if that's, if, again, it's on the internet, so it may not be true, but that you you said you would not be opposed to, to at this day or in the future, coaching the Russian national team. Yeah, I'd be open to it. Wow. Well, then you'd have to speak some. No. I mean, I'll, I'll speak some, but I would have an interpreter there. And not only that, they all understand English. It's just that when they're all together, they're going to speak Russian. Yeah. So... They're not going to speak English because I'm the only English speaking one in it. Now, if they talk to me, they'll speak in English a lot of times. Um, but did your parents go watch you in the Olympics play for Russia? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They did. They so, did. So that was mom, hard for my mom in right, 2008. So mom's crying. Fast forward to mom's on the sideline. <laughs> my dad, he was more matter of fact. He was more business like. Like, does the U.S. want you? No. Did Russia wants you to play for them. He's like, well, go play. Why are you going to sit home and watch on your couch? Like, or you can go play. So to me, it was really. 
Um, let's go make an experience. You only get to live life once. And like I said, you at the end of the day, you have to make a decision that's right for you. Yeah. And you have to live with it, well, whatever think, it yeah. might be. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I would have done it, but I think you said it best in that, I mean, we're sitting here today in a, in a practice facility for one of the best teams of an era, and you're coaching for the team, you know. Mm-hmm. So something's been done, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's say USA basketball or USA cycling left you off the team. Well, they they would today. <laughs> Back then, you're the <laughs> they, best. They, you're best. Yeah, you're the they, best in your field. Yeah, that wasn't gonna happen. <clears throat> you know, but let's just say they did. Yeah. Well, that wasn't gonna happen to me. But there are plenty. You see that in there. That's the problem. There's a lot of problems with the Olympics, but the selection process. You see a lot of great people get left off, and that's why I looked at it. I was like, "There's something, you know." And then watching it happen, it just happened in the last Olympics in in, in the women's cycling. And it was a very controversial thing. And then one athlete takes them to arbitration or takes them to court to try to get their position back. And it's, it gets super ugly. It gets way far away from sport. And But there's something, for whatever reason, that shit just happens. It just wasn't meant to be for me. That's yeah. all I can tell you. I believe in. Uh, look, like y'all. I said, you're sitting right here <laughs> right now on this podcast at this practice facility. So It actually just happened right. this last year with USA Basketball. They left off Candace Parker, who's arguably you know, top five player Maybe ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a great, great player, and she was left off the team. Hmm. USA Basketball has their methods. Here's the thing. I could have been on the team this last year and sat the bench. They're still going to win gold. Like, they have their system, and they train these girls all the way from when they're 14, 15, 16, under 18, oh, 18, you know, select teams. So they have them in the program all the way up. I was never in that program. I was never in that pool. And they win gold every year. Yeah, they win gold. They're going to win, and they're more dominant than the men. So nobody's questioning what they're doing. No, and, and I don't – like I said, I don't even – it wasn't meant to be, and I'm totally good with that. Yeah. The only the only thing, like I said, I wish that they would have come out was not attack my patriotism because it really had nothing to do that do with that. Um, you travel the world, I believe we live in the best country. The that's, coach and Donovan, yeah, attack. like to attack my patriotism, and that's even water yeah, under really, the bridge. I've I've spoken to her; everything's fine. She backed. She came off that like <laughs> it was like somebody just it's like threatened her is, life. <laughs> well, here I'm. Just, I just wanna. I just wanna. I just want, I will read to you and to the audience what Ann Donovan, who was the national team coach, she said, um, if you play in this country, live in this country, and you grow up in the heartland and you put on a Russian uniform, you are not a patriotic person in my mind. This is the national team coach. It, to which you responded, quote, you don't know me. You don't know what the flag means to me. You don't know how I grew up. The biggest honor in our classroom was who could put up the American flag, roll it up right, not let the corners touch the ground. Obviously, we definitely uh, define patriotism differently. I love my country. I love our national anthem. It absolutely gives me chills sometimes. I feel honored to be an American, to be from America, because that's what because of what we stand for. That, that was your response to her, which was a pretty great response. And then she came off. Um, she came off her original statements pretty pretty hard. Yeah, like I said, it's I. When I, well think said. Of, when I think of patriotism, it's like, how many people have bled and died? Like, we're talking about a basketball game. Like, <laughs> this is basketball. This is not life and death. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, and I've spoken to Ann since then. Everything, I mean, it's water under the bridge. Mm. She's not coaching in the, in the, in the uh, NBA, is she? She was for 
not in the NBA, but she was well, in the WNBA. I mean, the NBA. No, she, she's not. She's not the, like the first. <laughs> she didn't walk on the moon. She didn't swim the English Channel. She didn't do any of the shit that I talked about in the beginning, right? That's what. I, okay, enough said. Okay, last last thing before I let you go because I know you probably have much more important things to do than um, listen to me. Uh, I want to talk to you about your faith because I read your website or, or I looked at your website and there's a, there's a section your biography your that and then your faith and I watched the the there's a little film on there mm-hmm. about which is pretty I'm not a very I'm not well the, all these listeners know and all, everybody around me knows I'm not a very spiritual person mm-hmm. um, but it was cool to see how special you could see that that meant a lot to you mm-hmm. to be up there and um which must have been kind of hard too. I mean, it was kind of the, the mm-hmm. big introduction and, and, <laughs> and it was, you were up there a long time. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that, did you grow up with that or was that, you know, a lot of people kind of grow up in it? Yeah. I, I grew up in it Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, my family went to church um, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and we generally had a Bible study in between somewhere at wow. someone's house. So it was, Fully ingrained, but I think you come to a certain point in adulthood that you have to make your faith your own. Mm. You know, you can't go off your parents' faith. You have to live it out your own. You have to learn things on your own, just like mm. anything or any relationship growing up, you have to make it your own, and it has to become personal to you. And that's the greatest part about me, I feel like, is is my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in the clip, and for you guys and gals listening at home, you can go to to Becky's uh, website, which is on her Wikipedia page, et cetera. But you you talk about, and this just goes back to Russia again, you talk about being there and and that's, I don't know how, I, I got to remember exactly how you said it, whether you just felt alone or you, your relationship with God really came together at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, like I said, when you're grappling with stuff mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out- which, you what, just told us you were. Yeah, you're, you're just going back and forth in your mind. And it was it was a big decision. Um, I think I probably even made more of it in my mind than I actually even was looking back at it, but it was so intense um, at the moment. But I've been a person of faith my whole life. I mean, I accepted Christ when I was seven. Um, it's something that uh, I try to live my life by. I'm not perfect by any means, mm. but I, I just believe that um, for me, the biggest thing is to love God and love people. And um, I think one of the biggest things, too, was that helped me learn a lot in that whole Russian decision is I had always been so liked by people, and I knew that was going to make people not like me. Mm. And so I grappled with being on this pedestal, you know, that people put me on, that um, disappointing people or doing stuff. And that's why I said that at the end of the day, you have to you have to make a decision. You have to be able to live with your decision. Mm. And what I've just learned and that being one of the things that kind of um, sped up the process of learning was just when you do the right thing and you do it for the right reasons, uh, you can sleep at night. And I don't care how many people were mad at me or disappointed or thought it was the wrong decision. It was like, it was the right decision for me. I'm sorry if it upsets you, but you move on. But just kind of developing a tough skin about, because people came on and said some terrible things and people are going to say whatever they want and there's no repercussions. You know, it's like somebody can go on and, bad mouth whoever and nothing ever happens to them you know they get to say their their 10 seconds or do whatever and nothing ever happens to them and i think you just get to the point where it's like okay i know what i'm about Mm. i know what i'm about i know what i believe in and i know where i'm going and if they don't like it i'm sorry but this is what the direction i'm moving in got it i love that 
I love that. Coach, I'm going to call you Coach. All right. Coach, thank you. Thanks, <laughs> thank thanks you. for doing this. No, it was awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like, uh, like I said at the top of the show, if you have anything you want to say, if you have a suggestion, please, God knows I need suggestions, um, or questions, or concerns, or criticisms, or whatever, let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. The Forward Podcast at we do W E D U Sport Singular.com. The Forward Podcast at we do sport.com.